0: We want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy this message. Um. I, I, we've been in a series called Talents. And and today, let me just stop and, and just encourage you. Um, take notes. I've got a little echo going on back here. You hear that echo? I am way too picky today, aren't I? <laughs> She's got her mouth covered, so I can't see her facial expression. So I'm just rolling with it. Yeah. Um, we've been in this series of, of Talents for the last several weeks. Let me just tell you how we got here, okay? We got here because at the beginning of the year, I felt that there is this lethargicness that can set in and especially during an attitude of quarantine does that make sense and one of the things that we have to be prepared for and we have to stop and think about is God did not call us to do anything but what he's called us to okay and there's going to be seasons in your life where he says stand and there's going to be seasons in your life when he says go but in all of it We never step away from the most important thing, and that being whether you stand or go, it's to see God's kingdom come. Okay? Now, here's the dangerous thing about quarantine. The dangerous thing is is that by someone saying, let's just call it timeout, we tend tend to think that that also applies to God's kingdom. But you know you can be sitting still. You can be wearing a mask. You can be seeing what looks like in the natural world. We're doing nothing and actually, we can see God's kingdom come and God's will be done because we are doing what God wants us to do, whether that means if we have to sit, we're still standing for the Lord. If it's, if, if it's being still, we cannot become lethargic, but it's in those moments that we can get everything we're supposed to need in those seasons. And that's why I thought we need to stop and pause and stir up the gift of God that is inside every one of us. Now, today is my last message. I've been talking about talents. Today we're going to shift this a little bit, okay? And we're going to look look at Luke chapter 19. So turn to your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at verse 1. There are two times that this parable is told about minas and talents, okay? And this Luke chapter 19, we have not covered yet. But it's a very fascinating taking a look at rich and what does rich mean and what does God call us to do With the treasures that he's given us. It starts off with a fantastic story. This is the Bible story that we learned when we were little kids. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19 verse 1 it says this. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Okay, I want to just stop there real quick and just pause What does rich look like to you? Okay. I'm going to ask you at home. What does rich look like to you? Now's not the time to really get big theological here seriously. How much money do you have to have in order for you to go, that dude's rich. That dude's rich. Now, the reason why I want you to think about that, because something's about to take place, and today's message is directed towards a group of people, okay? And we'll get there in a minute. But I want you to first set up in your mind, How much is rich? Now is not the time where you come, well, rich is just, you know, just the treasures of heaven. Oh, stop it. How much numerically is rich? How much would you consider someone having a lot having? And the reason why this is such importance is because Zacchaeus, according to Scripture, was rich. And from here we see that people in the community hated him because he made his money by taking advantage of the entire community. So not only is he rich, but he's also a sinner, okay? And sometimes we put the two together and keep them together. If you're rich, you must be a sinner. If you're rich, you must be someone who's not listening to God. If you're rich, you're probably someone taking advantage of somebody. But over and over in Scripture, you see that God uses people's wealth. In fact, to go deeper, you see that God gives people wealth. And I want to talk about that today. And I'm fully aware there are people watching today that are really struggling. But to the people who are struggling, it's like, why in the world would this time in life, right now, where I'm at, would you think that I needed to hear a a message about being rich? Because I don't know if you're going to be there forever. But it's in this time in your life that I think God can talk to you about something that can change the direction of where you're going to be someday and what he wants you to do with what he's about to give you. Yeah. My job as a pastor is not to figure out what you're going to do with what I preach today. My job as a pastor is to teach it anyway and let God figure it out inside of you. Yeah. So to whoever has, has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, for other people in the room that you're, you, you, you know you're calling, you know you're gifting, and you would truly say, I know where I'm supposed to go, Just listen closely because you could possibly be someone's good advice someday. And now you have Zacchaeus who is rich and a dinner takes place. And Jesus does something fantastic. He goes to a sinner's house and has dinner. That's what Jesus does. He goes right in the middle of your situation. And he could care less what everybody thinks about what he should do. And he does exactly what it is he knows has to be done and he begins to talk and he builds relationship with and then a fantastic thing takes place and it takes place in verse 8 then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord this is Zacchaeus speech this is what he turns and says remember he was a sinner who was a tax collector and was rich and it says here that Zacchaeus says look Lord I give half of my goods to the poor and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. The reason I want to jump to this is a lot of teaching I want to do today. And I want you to see that we went from a man being incorrectly rich to repentance taking place. And he does a couple things. He uses what he has to do what God Is asking him to do and he restores things that he might have broken in the past real quick before we go on too far i think one of the real tests for your life is not only for you to follow jesus okay but the test is going to be if you have the ability to walk in repentance okay i'm truly sorry god i'm truly sorry for every time i did something and i didn't do it your way But can you have the ability also to now go make things right from the things that you caused to be wrong? I've only seen it done a few times in my life, okay? There are some things that you can't go back and fix. But in Zacchaeus' place, he was able to identify all the areas that he knew what he did was wrong and evil. And to show his true repentance, he gave four times the amount of what he had stolen to each person that he had wronged that is a true sign of repentance it goes beyond words it goes beyond just quotes and sayings it goes beyond just showing up and being around Jesus this is truly a moment that even Jesus celebrated because it says in the very next verse that Jesus said to him today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of of abraham for the son of man has to come has come to seek and save that which was lost the reason why i want to bring this up and let this be our beginning uh, scripture beginning story is i want to set this story up to show that even a rich man can be reached by jesus because sometimes we've heard so many times that it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get to heaven and in this story you see that rich people can be reached. That's the title of a book right there. Rich people can be reached. And some of us think, well, hang on, isn't money the root of all evil? And, and just stop. The fact is, is that with true repentance, in a moment where every one of us realize that what I am doing, the way that I am living is not God's best, even a man who could be controlled by his money can be touched by God. Okay, I just want to make this very clear. And the reason I want to do this, because I don't know who I'm talking to right now. But in America, in Lee County, Southeastern New Mexico, West Texas, wherever we may be right now, I don't care how secure you may think you are. The Holy Spirit could be knocking on the door of your heart telling you, you may think you've got it together, but down deep inside, There is a lost that you can't fix, you can't find your way out of. There is a brokenness that can't be pieced together. And I hope today's message gets your attention through the story of Zacchaeus about Jesus showing up in his house and something in you identifies with the fact that I know who Jesus is, but I'm not following Jesus and repentance has not taken place. And it could be because of my money. Right after this, Jesus gives a parable. And this parable has a lot to do with what we've been studying, okay? Y'all just stay with me. Is everybody with me? Say, "time" with you. Okay, because this is going to make perfect sense. We're getting some teaching in a minute, but I want to make a foundation of Scripture right now. And I, now all of a sudden we're going to look at a parable that we've looked at for the last several weeks, but it's a little bit different. It's there, therefore Jesus breaks into this parable, and he says, Therefore he said, A certain noble man went into a far country to, to receive for himself a kingdom and and to return. So he called ten servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Now I don't need to read the rest. We've covered it for the last several weeks. This parable is a little bit different than the talent parable we've been reading. In the talent parable, you see that a master goes away and leaves three men in charge, okay? Each one is given a different amount. Here you see that he leaves ten people in charge, and to each one he leaves one mina, okay? Ten minus for each person. We'll get to what all this means in a minute. But to just give you a background on this, most theologians believe that both parables mean the same thing. But both parables were told in two different spots. And Luke records this one, and Matthew records the other one. And in one parable, the talent one, it's actually referring to all the abilities and giftings that God has given his people to go put to work For the kingdom but this one's different a mina is a very interesting amount of money you start looking at a day's wage you start looking at multiple days wage and to just save us time and study today a minor could be anywhere between 16 to 20 years of salary okay so a master is going away and he brings 10 people in and to each one he gives them 16 to 20 years of their salary to put to work that's a lot of money and it's specifically referring to money and in this we see that this parable unfolds a little bit more you may want to go home and study this but isn't it interesting that when he put them in charge of 16 to 20 years of their salary most of them got mad at him they didn't like him They got angry with him and even sent a delegation to go tell him, we don't want you as our master anymore. Just a side note, this is Jesus saying that you can have a master who gives you everything you need to go do what it is he's created you to do and there will be people that find fault even in the perfect system of the kingdom of God and they will not ever operate in the fullness and the glory and the awesomeness that god intended the master intended for them to know in their li- lifetime yeah. all they'll do is they'll moan about it and gripe about it and 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 get angry about it and talk about how this is mine this is something i earn this is my salary even if it's for 16 or 20 years but they'll never look at the vision behind it that you were trusted with something that the master said here it is can you trust me even in the giftings And the finances that I put in your hand. And that's the question for today. And it has been for the last several weeks. Can God trust you with what he's given you? Okay? In verse 15, it says something really cool. It's not going to show up on the screen, but let me just read it to you. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading this word trading is very interesting it means to thoroughly earnestly understand your business it also means to understand the business at sake of gaining so two things we learn in this word trading the master left these men in charge of 16 to 20 years of salary and expected them to learn the business and gain from what he's given them okay so here's my question we've looked all throughout scripture we've studied stuff you can go back and study it it's my responsibility as a pastor to give you a firm foundation i think we've established that so far for all the bible thumpers in the room you're like he just doesn't preach the word i just gave the word okay the word's out in front of you here we go i'm doing a great job so far you can go back to my bible college p- professor who taught me the the of scripture okay and here we go i think i've done a good job now it's time to preach And I want to start today with a question. After all we've learned so far, how do you answer this question? Do you know what business you're in? In all intents and purposes, do you know what business you're in? Several years ago, a rancher went to Cowboy Junction Church. This was many, many years ago. And he approached me about how cattle prices were so low he needed me to pray that he would keep the ranch. There was another man who approached him and said, would you like to sell the ranch? And the rancher came to me and he said, I don't know whether I should sell the ranch or keep the ranch. I can't make a living off of cattle prices at this point. And so the man sold the ranch thinking that he had got the deal of a lifetime selling his ranch and cattle to this man who knew nothing about ranching. Later, the man who bought the ranch came to me and he said, I just bought this incredible little ranch and bought all the cattle. I'm selling all the cows. I said, well, how are you going to be a rancher if you don't have cattle? He goes, that's the problem. The guy I bought it from, he didn't realize that he was in the real estate business because he wanted to be in the cattle business so bad. You know, let that settle in. He didn't realize that he was actually in the real estate business because he wanted to be in the cattle business so bad. I had this conversation with a great ranch buddy who lives in Tatum because he too sometimes gets to thinking, what are the cattle prices, what are the cattle prices? And I turned to him and told the very same story I'm telling you and I said, I think you need to realize you're not in the cattle business. You're in the real estate business. You own 20 sections of land. Why do you keep looking at cattle? Can cattle make you money? Absolutely. but the bulk of your finances is wrapped up in the land that you own. And sometimes ranchers can look too much at being a cowboy and not the bigger picture of what business are you really in. You can't run cattle without land. okay? You got to have land unless you want to do the feedlot thing. But the fact is is sometimes people don't know what business they're really in. And a rancher can run cattle, there's no doubt about it. But in order to run the cattle you need to run, you need to be in the real estate business, not the cowboy business. And this is the point I'm trying to get to the kingdom of God's people. The folks that sit here today, and I would ask, what business are you in? And you would say, well, I'm a school teacher. Yes, you are, but that's not your business. Well, I'm in the oil business. No, you're not. You, you, You have an oil company, but you're not in the oil business. The answer to every believer in Christ Jesus, and it should be our answer. What business are you in? You should boldly say, I'm in the kingdom of God business. I live and breathe. What does Jesus want me to do? I know I was born for a reason. I was born for a purpose. For every student in this room going to junior high, high school, whatever the case may be, if they ever ask you, what do you do? You say, I'm in the Father's business. I'm in the kingdom of God. And they go, no, 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 what grade are you in? Then you can say, well, I'm in the eighth grade. Okay? But the fact is, you're in the eighth grade, so you can be the best you can be to follow Jesus in whatever it is he's called you to be. The reality is, if you don't learn how to read, what good are you if you can't read the Bible? And so all the kids are like, my parents make me read. Good! I hope they make you read a lot. I hope they make you read the Bible. Next time one of you come and gives me a movie quote, I'm going to turn to you and go, man, it's funny how you know movies more than you do the Word of God. Ooh, that's a big one. Ah, oh. oh, right there, huh? What business are you in? It's a simple question that many of us would not even think about asking. But if we don't ask it, we'll just be cattle raisers and not real estate investors. But do you realize if we get our priorities right and we have the land, you can run whatever you want to on it, and it multiplies on top of each other all the things you're in because you know first what you're doing. You know, the the only well done you're ever going to hear in heaven is whether or not you are a good steward of whatever the the master gave you. You're not going to walk into heaven and God say, well done, just because of your looks, and I am proof of it. You are not going to walk into heaven and hear, well done, because you were an American. You are not going to walk into heaven and hear, well done, because you lived between the 1970s and the 2000 something and others, You're not gonna hear well done because you were white. You're not gonna hear well done because you were Hispanic and a minority. You're not gonna hear well done because you were black. You're not gonna hear well done for all the reasons that sometimes we are so looking at our life and trying to fix and trying to change. You're gonna hear well done for one thing in heaven, whether you were a good steward on what the master put in your hands or not. And today's message is different because it's specifically talking about wealth. What did you do with the money that was put in your hands? In Revelation chapter 1, I want you to look at this scripture. And it says, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness unto the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. This is building up. Look at the very next verse it says about Jesus. And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This scripture was shared to me many years ago by a fantastic preacher at El Paso. And this man taught about something I'd never heard before. All throughout Scripture, you'll see two types of people kings and priests. I talked about the very first series that we were in in this the first message that we were in this series. And there are two types of people you see in Scripture kings and priests. And in this parable, Jesus shares twice, he talks about talents and minus. And in Zacchaeus, isn't it coincidence that here is a rich man? that Jesus wants to go eat with, even though he's a sinner. And he wants to talk about and encourage them about what can be done with money. What can be accomplished? If you can be trusted with a little bit, look at the cities God puts you in charge of. It should stir our hearts. It should stir the way we think of asking the question, what business am I in? And for the rest of your life, I think you should notice There are kings, there are priests, and there are people who have no clue that there's kings and priests. A priest. A priest is specifically someone who God gives instructions to. I want you to take God's people this way. I want you to turn to my people and say this. But I want you to look at the kings used over and over in Scripture funded God's vision. It wasn't the priest's vision. It wasn't the priest's intention. It wasn't the priest's heart. The ki- priest was a servant like the king was the servant. But it was God's intentions given to the priest and the kings who were put in charge of funding it. It even something you see today. And it's something that you have to sit back and applaud the beautiful unity that takes place when God's intentions and God's fundings blend so perfectly. God is in control both of the king's life and of the priest's life but sometimes he can get out of control and one famous story that you really got to see of when things can get out of whack is found in first samuel chapter 13 you have to go home and study it but let me give you the the synopsis you have king saul who's fresh in the business first king of israel and he is just wanting to be a great king but the problem is he's trying to be king instead of allowing God to show him how to be a great king. Right. And one day in particular, the Philistines have risen up against God's people. You will always have an enemy. Right. Okay, So for everybody griping and complaining about enemies in the world, enemies are going to attack the church, enemies are going to do horrible things, there has always been enemies and they will always be enemies. Get used to it. Right. God battles enemies right. by using kings and priests. Okay? And any time kings quit being kings and priests quit being priests, that's when the enemy starts winning. And today's message is to let everybody know that God's kingdom works when kings are kings and priests are priests. But when kings try to be priests and priests try to be kings, it gets out of, out of, out of whack. And a great story is in 1 Samuel 13. The Philistines are rising up. And King Saul gathers all the troops, but in holding to tradition, we do not go into battle until the priest has sacrificed an offering to the Lord and God gives instructions. So all these thousands of men ready for battle stand in attention and wait for the priest to come and make atonement, make sacrifices, make offerings, and then God anoints the battle, and the battle can be won this day it's a little bit different the priest doesn't show up Is anybody here suffer from the impatience yeah Is anybody else just like it's like where are they where anybody else in the room think it's the rudest thing in the world to be late yeah i do too i do too and i used to not until i got married <laughs> heather's changed me so this is not a lesson of, of being late okay this is a lesson bigger than that. In the story, you have seeing that King Saul does everything he's supposed to do. He gets the troops together. He gets the blades sharpened. He gets everybody in their armor. He stands. He waits. And the priest doesn't show up. In fact, Samuel doesn't show up for one day, two days, three days, four days. Seven days and, King, and, and, and Samuel doesn't show up. And King Saul gets impatient. And so he finally says, listen, I've seen seen Samuel do this a million times. He takes the goat, he cuts the throat, cuts it in half, he puts it here, he sets a bonfire, we worship the Lord, go Jesus, and then we go into battle and we win. And he says, I don't know where he's at, I don't know what's going on, but one by one people are peeling out of the army and they're going back home and said, if you guys can't get your act together, I'll just do this, I'll just go home. And Saul's getting nervous. And so Saul just goes ahead and puts on all the priestly robes, pulls out of his knife, and does everything the priest does, even though he's the king, because he's seen it a thousand times before. And the very moment he finishes giving the last offering, he hears these words, What have you done? And Samuel is standing right behind him. And he says, Well, I've been waiting for you for seven days. You were supposed to be here seven days ago. We've got to go into battle. Let me just tell you, kings should do what kings do. And priests should do what priests do. Samuel had done everything he was supposed to do. But do you know that, excuse me, Saul had done everything he was supposed to do. But Samuel was doing everything he was supposed to do also. He was obeying all the instructions that God had given him, even if he was late. Jesus had a tendency of being late, too. They thought he should have showed up four days earlier for Lazarus. But isn't it amazing that even when we think God is late, he is actually right on time? Here's the lesson that I think we should stop and and learn. No one should move until God says, now. And in this case, you see that kings should be kings. And priests should be priests. And only a few times in history do you see both take place, a king and a priest. Jesus was both king and priest. But you see the value of realizing that God speaks to some and gives charge for others. To all the kings in the room, I want you to value the ability God gave you To create wealth you fund things you do amazing things and your contribution to the kingdom of god is the gifting that god gave you and don't ever think that it was something you came up with or your daddy or your mama gave you this was a gifting god gave you and it's great in the kingdom of god the question i get a lot from kings well how much money should i make That is a great question. But I don't think there's a number that God's ever going to give you. King Solomon has a few things to say about this. And he doesn't give an amount that kings should make. He says, go and make whatever it is that you can make. But not at the cost of peace. Okay, So let's talk about this. Peace. Go and do everything God's called you to do but it should never sacrifice the peace that I've put over your life. There's a peace that I think you have to stop and realize. If your business costs you the joy of the Lord in your heart, you're probably making too much. You're probably going too far. And it's costing you more than what you can do right now. If making a treasure causes you to step into areas that cause dissension in your family, fights, I think you've just stepped into an area that you have to call a timeout and realize that you may have been stretched past what you can be stretched. King Solomon says that what good is it, got peace. What good is it if the cupboard is full and you're making a ton of money and it's costing you your peace and it's something we have to stop and realize that no man no woman should ever value gaining money in the name of Jesus and losing your peace at the same time another thing King Solomon says it should never cost you your values there are so many people who think that just because it's in the name of Jesus Anything goes. And the reality is is that everything can be for sale except your integrity. There are times in your life, and I just want us to stop and pause and and think, God made the earth, but he expects you to protect the earth as well. And that's one of the hardest things to learn as a king in how do I make money but protect things that God considers valuable at the same time. He created people. So how do I work people and take care of them at the same time? How do I gain wealth but honor my employees at the same time? And these are all things you're going to have to go to the Father and say, show me how to be a good king. Solomon says it's not just peace and values, but you're also going to be tested in letting your job be your fulfillment. Any time your job becomes work, any time that you lose your joy, you have to stop and think for a minute, am I doing what God's called me to do? Have I gained knowledge and wisdom to tap into the calling of God in my life to be the king or the queen that God's called me to be? Because the fact is, is that what you do should give you great joy. You should be like a Labrador retriever chasing a tennis ball, okay, okay? You should be like a cat laying on its back, getting its belly scratched. You should be like a bird flying in the air. And if your job feels so unfulfilling, maybe you should pray about, God, what am I called to do? I can tell you this. There is no greater joy, I feel, than doing what I do. In fact, I have a board member here. And I really wish you wouldn't hear this, okay? But I do what I do for free. That's how much fun I have doing what I do. But I love getting paid too, okay? Do you do what you love to do where money isn't the reason why you do it? Now, there's a lot of old-timers. There's a lot of people that would step up and go, well, that's just bull crud. You've got to go i got to make a living for my family. I get it. I get it. But if I could get in the hearts of young people right now, and I could turn to them and say, we want you to tap into something that every day feels like Saturday going to work. Even if it gets hard, man, you were made for this. Let's say you're born to be a ditch digger, and every time a shovel gets put in your hand, and you're like, whoo, yeah, baby. And all of a sudden, you're, this is a joy To where God made you to shovel dirt like nobody's business. And then the next thing you do, they pull up with a backhoe. And you're like, oh, it's a bigger shovel. (laughs) If I could get into young people's hearts that you can be a king for the Lord and remain in peace, hold on to your values, and find fulfillment in what you do, you've (laughs) tapped into who you are in Christ Jesus. And for all the people that said work's going to be work, it's going to be hard, and you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life, and that's life. Hogwash. Run from them. Don't listen to bitter old men. Okay, Maybe we should edit that out. Can we edit that out? But Solomon says there's fulfillment when you tap into what you love to do. What you love to do. There's one more thing Solomon says. This is King Solomon. He says in in all that you do you should get closer to God in working your gifts. Above all else this should be something that causes you to get closer to God. What if I turned to you and said, what if going to work every day was a lot like going to church? on Sundays okay I, I know that for some of you like that did not make sense what if what if going to work and the moment you step into your truck you shut the door and you just felt the presence of God to go do what you're called to do I had an old man who mentored me when I was a little boy I bring him up quite often owned a tower business but this old guy Mike it was more than a tower business. It was his way of honoring God. It was his way of putting to work his mathematical mind. He used to have one of those watch calculators, remember? Yeah. And I used to laugh at that watch calculator. I'd say, that is the dumbest thing. What is, that is the dumbest, you're, you're like a millionaire and you have a watch calculator. And he would turn back at me and he says, man, if you knew how my mind worked, worked. He says, you know why I'd have this math calculator? He lived for numbers. He breathed numbers. He thought about things. But you know what? beyond numbers? He was a person of excellence. Yeah. I worked for him one time to where they were building a tower and they were waiting for parts to come in. Okay? So they had this tower going up and they were waiting for parts and instead of everyone just sitting around, Mike made them take the chain link fence that they didn't put up down. And they restretched it. For the next couple hours, they just restretched the chain link fence. And and it was sagging in parts. And they straightened it up. And they made it nice. And he turned to me and he said, there's something that says God was here. Whenever we do a little bit more than what we were asked to do. And a spirit of excellence is how we honor God. To all the kings out there, it's more than making money. Are you enjoying what you're doing? And I know too many people that says, It's not about enjoyment. It's about making money. And I would turn to you and say that's the saddest life I've ever heard of in my entire life. Yes, you can probably afford better vacations than a lot of us. Yes, you can probably buy bigger trucks than the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, you could probably buy a nicer bass boat than some of us. But I get to go to work. feel like I'm honoring God by doing it. And this isn't me being condensating to you. This is me actually turning to you and saying it could be the same way for you too. For everybody that feels in between, I don't know if I'm a priest or if I'm a king. I would turn to you and say, well, I I think it's just a question away. It's just simply saying, well, what if I'm not called to own the business? What if I'm called to, to be the best employee I can? One of the greatest stories found in Scripture is Joseph, who never owned Egypt, but was put in charge of Egypt. And he was the greatest testimony to the Egyptians of the goodness of our father. That's a kingship, too. To wrap this up, to be done. Not only has God called you to go out and work the minas, But he's also asked you to recognize the talents around you as well. There's a great question that I think you should start asking. God, not only have you called me to make it, but how have you called me to give it as well? I want you to start paying attention. Because as God is taking your minas, he's asking you to look for the talents. One of the greatest investments i ever saw here at cowboy junction was when a group of people here at cowboy junction got involved with paying for a worship album in another town and what had actually happened was these business people who couldn't sing who couldn't play an instrument who couldn't whistle <laughs> saw someone who could but they didn't have the, amount, the the money to pay for the album now let me just show you real quick what if God turned to a king and said, I want people to drive down the road, turn on their radio, put in a CD or put it in their phone and sing worship to me as they go to work every day. I want you to make a worship album. And it was a king who couldn't whistle, couldn't sing, couldn't play an instrument. And now they probably think in their worldly mind, God's called me to put out a worship album. No, he did not. No, he did not. But what if kings walked around to live for the fulfillment of the intentions of God? To see God's kingdom come. To see God's will be done. And God, you did not call me to play a guitar. And you did not call me Play the drums, and you darn sure didn't call me to sing. But someone's gonna have to pay for that album. And here's what ends up happening: the right people with the right talents get through, gets in the right spot, and the right money's paid to the right organization to produce an album. And now, when people drive down the road and worship is being sung to our Father, and songs are going out, that is changing how people's hearts are. When you stand before God in heaven, does he celebrate the singers or does he celebrate the kings and priests who came together to draw attention to the kingdom of God so that men would worship their God and God would receive their praise? And does God not turn to all of them and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. I've seen missionary journeys funded because some king said that guy needs to get to Africa. This week on Instagram I had a kid grow up in Lovington contact me and say here's my phone number, call me. He could be watching right now and it blessed my heart off to get to talk to you this week. I called him, we talked for a little bit, he said that I wanted to get in contact with you because I, I contacted Jody, my brother-in-law. I contacted Dusty, my brother, the kid said, and you were the last phone call. And I'm 37 years old now, and I wanted to call you and tell you thank you for all that you did in my life when I was a teenager in Levington High School. He wanted to go to youth camp one summer, and he didn't have the money. So Heather and I paid for him to go to youth camp. But he... Said, no, 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 you can't do it. I can't do it. And he wasn't going to take the money. So I turned to him and I said, okay, give me drum lessons and I'll pay for you to go to camp. And he said, deal. He told me on the phone, he says, I still owe you money. And I said, why? I'd forgot about this. He said, because I only gave you one lesson, but you paid for the whole camp. And I said, just chalk it up for the kingdom, man. Just chalk it up. And sometimes that's what we realize. It's not about the lessons. It's not about me learning how to play drums. In fact, he probably saved my my future. Yes. (laughs) But the point wasn't me to learn how to play drums, was it? The point was him getting to camp. So God could speak to his heart. When was the last time you stopped and asked, what are your intentions? And where do you need me to be a king? There are books. That God wants you to fund, there's hope that God wants you to give. There's conferences that God wants you to sponsor, and it's all for His glory, and His honor, and His praise. I got, I got one more thing. Would you guys let me? Give me, give me three minutes, three minutes, three minutes. You don't get a choice. You have to stay on, okay? When I was growing up, there was a song that came out. This is an old song, and some of you are going to be like, "I can't believe you read that song." I know. Just buckle yourself. The song was called Thank You by Ray Bolts. Let me read you the words, and we're going to be done. You ready? I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We We walked along the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, but then someone called your name. You turned and saw a young man, and he was smiling while he came he said friend you don't know me now but then he said but wait you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight and every week you would say a prayer and before the class would start one morning when you said that prayer I asked Jesus into my heart and the chorus of the song says this thank you for giving to the Lord I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then it says this. Then another man stood before you and said, Do you remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave and that's why I'm here today it closes by saying one by one they came as far as the eye could see each one somehow touched by your generosity little things that you had done and sacrifices that were made unnoticed on this earth Heaven now, heaven now proclaims. And then it closes by saying this. And I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry. But I was almost sure <laughs> there was tears in your eyes. I don't know. It's a stupid song, stupid song. Yeah. <laughs> but I was almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord and he said, my child, look before you, for great is your reward. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. This is my last and final message on the series called Talents, and I could not stop without thanking the kings that God puts in this earth to fund the vision that God gives from the priests who stand and listen to God's instructions and we just simply obey what God wants us to do but then we step out and we have no resources we have no funds but when God's kings and the funding matches God's intentions and the priests It is a harmony that can only be built in heaven, and it makes a dynamic kingdom's partnership. Today, I want to stop and pray. And I pray for everybody that's watching that you're maybe on the outside looking in on how this whole family of God thing works. I hope you get to see something cool today. And I hope you come join us in this amazing journey. But I would specifically want to pray for everyone who knows they've been called to be a king. And I want to pray, pray a blessing on you. And I want to pray joy and purpose. I want to pray I want to pray uh, uh, fulfillment as you go and work what God's called you to work. And so if you would, just Father today, I just pray for every person who you've given a mind, who you've given the ability all the mathematicians out there, all the creative thinkers, all the negotiators, all the entrepreneurs, all the the shark tank people out there. Father, for the the planners and the processors, for the grinders, for the welders and the doers, and, and Father, for all of these people that have this incredible ability to go in this world and be the kings and the queens that you have called them to be for your glory. I want to pray that you would unfold for us how great this gifting is is the kingdom of heaven, how much you bless and use this for your glory. As the priests and the talents wait for their instructions, to build the temples, to go to where the lost can be found, to serve the helpless, to help those who are broken, to rebuild walls, to heal the brokenhearted. I pray for kings that would step in and say, yes, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I pray for generosity beyond anything we could imagine or think. I pray it wouldn't be the story of of, of Malachi. and It wouldn't be the story of, 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 of disrepair and fall apart, but it would actually be a story of how every day this world saw your kingdom come, and every day this world, we saw people added to your kingdom and snatched from the grip of this world and hell. Today, Father, I pray that you would unify us to be able to believe and trust in what God is, you are doing in each one of us so that we would see the greatness that you have in store for all that you want to do. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.